What'd you like about the Aqua Mouse? Fun. It's really fun. What's fun about it? Probably the splashing. Also, I have a recommendation. You might want to go in the back because you get splashed so many times in the front. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by my path unwinding travel, and we could not be more excited to be coming to you live but recorded from the pool deck of the fabulous Disney Wish. And I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host. More lovely today because the highlights in her hair are shimmering from the sun. Welcome back, Sam. You are cracking me up today, Brian, but I am so excited to be talking about the Disney Wish Maiden Voyage and sitting here on the pool deck. And of course, Lilo and Stitch roller coaster ride just started playing in the background. So hopefully it won't get too loud and we'll be able to record this. Yeah, I am fresh off of World of Gin, so I am feeling feisty, salty, whatever you want to call it. But we want to talk about our first couple of days, actually our first full day and our embarkation day for the Disney Wish. Excited to talk about it. We're also joined by one of our favorite guests, half of the Willie and Rebecca duo. We've got Willie with us at the table today. Welcome, Willie. Hey, everyone. Excited to be here. All right. Let's talk about embarkation. So we had the coveted 11 to 11.15 port arrival time boarding group two. Sam, were they enforcing, strictly enforcing those port arrival times like the sign said on the way into the uh, Port Canaveral? Not on the way into the port. They were strictly enforcing boarding groups for actual boarding of the ship, but not for pulling into the port and dropping off your luggage. Yes. So despite the lighted sign, no one checked our boarding group beyond asking us what our boarding group time was. So we could have told them 1045 and they probably wouldn't have looked at us any funnier. But we did get here right on the dot at 1055, rolled into the parking garage by 1105. We're in the terminal probably by 1115. And let me tell you, us and the rest of the ship were all waiting in the terminal by 1125. Family of the day was called probably around 1135, 1145. Concierge, which is now a much larger crowd, was boarded shortly after and it probably was 20 minutes later. I think we boarded the ship probably around 11.45 or noon is my guess. Noon, Sam is saying. On the ship by noon into the Grand Hall. And Sam, what was that boarding experience into the Grand Hall like? Well, there was a little like ceremony. So we all got brought in in sort of a larger groups, larger than the pandemic uh, sort of boarding. And I'd say maybe, I don't know, between 50 and 100 people being boarded in. And then they would do a little show where we would kind of use our magic wands and light up the star on the chandelier in the Grand Hall. And then we saw some other lights kind of going up. So a little bit of a ceremony as you boarded. It was really nice. And then you could be off to your muster station to do your muster drill check-in. And then off to lunch or wherever you wanted to go to on the ship. And I want to get Willie's opinion here. Willie, you stepped on into the Grand Hall. What was that experience like? Was it everything you'd hoped for? It really was, Brian. I I think I've said this a few times already. It is like a new Disney Cruise Line. It's not the same atrium you're used to stepping into. The elegance is still there, but I would say it's it's majestic. It's it's large. It's I think they're calling it the Grand Hall now. It's grand. And you almost feel like you're in just a whole new cruise line, like Disney Cruise Line launched a second brand within Disney Cruise Line, and it's a whole new experience. Yeah, I 100% agree. I have been lost on this ship more often than I have been found. I have been reading every sign. I have been reading every deck plan. 
before I go anywhere, I have to figure out where I'm going on the ship, whether I'm taking the stairs or the elevator. And then once I even do that, like there was, uh, I wanted to go to Cove Cafe this morning, which is deck 14, 13, 13 aft, I believe it is. And I got to where I thought the aft was and I kept going into doorways that led to nowhere. So it took me a little while, but I did manage to make it to the Cove Bar on Embarkation Day, which was nice and quiet. It is not that way today on day two. It is uh, practically a microcosm of Carnival Cruise Line back there at the adult bar area. Lots of people, lots of drinking. We heard one uh, one person remark, I'd rather be in the kids pool with the kids than the adult bar with the drunks. So uh, not sure it will be like that on every sailing, but that adult area is jam-packed at the bar. They are allowing you to have drinks in the water areas of the adult spaces. So lots of folks having a drink in the water spaces. Sam, you want to say something here? Yeah. So one thing I wanted to point out is the capacity right now, or I shouldn't say capacity because I don't know how many people were allowed to book, but how many people are on board? We have about 2,700 passengers on the maiden voyage. There were more booked. So either people canceled or they got COVID and tested out. But there are also only... Somewhere between 100 and 150 three to 12 year old kids. So that means kids club age kids, not tweens or teens. And that is significant because Disney Cruise Line usually has way more kids than that. Um, it is evident, though, in all of the spaces because all of the bar spaces are quite crowded and all of the kids spaces are quite empty. So it's great for the kids because the pools are pretty empty uh, and there's not a long line for the Slidosaurus Rex water slide, but there are lines in uh, shops. There are lines at bars and coffee shops, those sorts of venues. Yeah. So to get us back on timeline here, we boarded the ship and then we immediately made our way to our staterooms because the ship was dark the night before the sailing. So the staterooms were ready at 1130 a.m. Would not expect that on future sailings. Uh, but it was nice to have the stateroom ready to go so we could drop off our stuff. Stateroom, elegant but understated. A few quirks that we want to highlight about. We are in a family deluxe ocean view stateroom. And I want to say up front, we heard from a few guests that, you know, storage seemed comparable to what was on the other ships. It is not. So you do have a fairly good sized closet in the stateroom, comparable, maybe slightly larger to what you'd find on the Dream and the Fantasy in a similar category. But we have learned that on the Dream and the Fantasy and the other ships, the difference between a deluxe and a regular is some extra width in the cabin that then enables them to put the Murphy bed down while giving you, in the staterooms that have it, while giving you more cabinet space along the wall. On the Wish, all of the cabins are the same width. Uh, and so in the cabins that have the Murphy bed that sleep five, the bed can't come down if there's an extra section of storage in the wall. And so they didn't add any extra storage into any of the rooms. So I would say drawer space is extremely limited. There's, I think, maybe three empty drawers in the stateroom. Uh, there's a huge drawer space area that is now taken up with the drawer refrigerator. And so I would say storage is actually difficult as compared to the fantasy and the dream. Uh, but we're also hearing that the ship has essentially been designed for three and four night voyages. So you may not need as much storage as we do on like a five night voyage or a typical seven night sailing. I'd say storage though will get tough when you start talking about a family of five in one stateroom. So uh, just want to say the room is, is very nice. 
lots of outlets, lots of outlets. Phone, I love the phone is tucked away so it's not out. No clock in the stateroom, which I find to be really interesting. There is no time, so you have to have a phone or something with you. I don't know if they plan to put them in later, but it doesn't look like it. Bathrooms are still split baths. I want to make one other comment. I think the shower is wonderful because all the space is being used. I think it's a nice modern bathroom. Split bath portion that has the toilet, however, feels very cramped. And so if you are a bigger person, I would say that's a tough space uh, because it feels smaller. They have clearly made toilet sink side of the split bathroom smaller to accommodate the larger shower sink side of that equation. Uh, and so I, the split bath is nice. It's wonderful to have, but I'd say the, the division of space there made the toilet area a little tough. Sam, what did you think of the room? Yeah, I agree. I think storage is an issue. I think if you're somebody who wants to be able to put your stuff on shelves, if you've got one of these family deluxe ocean view state rooms or veranda state rooms, you will have some shelving inside the closet. So that's really going to be your friend. But if you need more shelving, you may want to think about packing one of those hanging shelving units and, and bringing some sturdy magnetic hooks to put on the walls. I will say that Willie and Rebecca are in a, a an inside cabin and they do not have the split bathroom and they have even less uh, closet space. Their closet is about a third of the size of what we have in our room. And thankfully, there are just two people. So it's not you know that big of a deal. But I would say that stateroom and, and it, that stateroom sleeps four people. I can't imagine how you would be able to fit the stuff for four people. Yeah, Willie, what do you think about your inside cabin overall? Love the theming, love the design, love the decor. These staterooms are, are, they are truly amazing in the sense that they're different from the traditional staterooms, but we are a little tight in our in our closet for just two people. So it works for us, it's great. It is a longer voyage than the ship was intended for. And so, so we're all good. I do love the new fridge concept. Uh, the storage in the fridge is great. Brian, you, I believe you mentioned this. I love the, the USB plugs. You don't need to bring a, a block necessarily. So the staterooms overall are elegant modern. The first four ships were all elegant. The current decor and, and theming is modern, but still maintains the same level of elegancy that the others had. Yeah, and for everyone out there, the USB ports include USB-A and USB-C. So if you're an Apple fan... You, you don't have to bring those uh, gargantuan chargers for everything. So that's kind of nice. After we settled into our stateroom, we headed immediately for a lunch. Well, actually, check that. We did not head immediately for lunch. We headed immediately to stand in a long, very long lines. And so a couple things to know right now. First, let me start with the spa. So on our sailing, all of the day passes for the Rainforest Room were sold out before we had a chance to buy them. Uh, we could only buy length of cruise passes, which are much more expensive. We took one for the team. We got a length of cruise pass. And so we will be experiencing the Rainforest Room at least a couple times on this sailing uh, because uh, we got to use that pass. So excited to, to do it. Just be prepared when you go to the spa. They essentially just had a bunch of receipts pre-printed out for Rainforest Room experiences for the week. And they would hand you one, have you sign it, and then give you a sticker for your card. So Rainforest Room uh, passes, day passes, maybe at a premium. We don't know because again, the sailing's a little unique in terms of its length, profile of cruiser, and the fact that it's a lot of adults and not so many kids. The longest line of the day, however, was for dining. And so right now, just like if you board another ship, if you've got some issue that you want to correct with your dining, you can do that. You go to Luna between one and three, and they've got uh, representatives from Main Dining, Palo and Enchante, and also the coveted hyperspace lounge to make reservations. So I know there's some speculation that there's been different places on the ship to go. Maybe you chat with guest services. 
The answer is they have folded it into dining. And so unless you're in concierge, in which case your concierge host can help you with all of this. Uh, but for regular cruisers, you have to go to Luna right now between one and three. Uh, and they are set up with all of those options. Our recommendation is divide and conquer. And so Sam and I both waited in the line so that when we got into Luna, they funneled you off to separate lines for each area. We had, thankfully, no main dining issues to deal with on this cruise. And so I went and sat in the Enchante Palo line. Sam waited in the Hyperspace Lounge line. And I'll let her talk about the Hyperspace Lounge particulars. On the adult dining side, the only thing I wanted to call out. So there were 300 people waiting in line on this cruise, adult dining. The waiting list is insane. Most people will not get off that list. They were already fully booked by the time we got on board. The other thing is because the adult dining was so heavily booked, they are enforcing at least on this cruise. And I, I would imagine on other inaugural cruises in a similar position uh, that each stateroom is only allowed one adult dining experience in each of the two restaurants. So you can either do Palo Brunch or Palo Dinner, Enchante Brunch or Enchante Dinner, but you cannot do brunch and dinner in Palo or brunch and dinner in Enchante. And you certainly can't have all four booked on a sailing. So just know that going in, we were allowed to pre-book the experience. It did show up in our Onboard Navigator app as if we had Palo brunch, Palo dinner and Enchante dinner, which is what we had pre-booked. But I was told at the time that I sat down with dinner folks that in fact our dinner at Palo had been canceled, which I also found very curious because they no one ever asked me if I wanted dinner or brunch, but fine. Also, I would say this rule that they're enforcing was never messaged to guests as far as I can see in the communications that we got. So it was a little frustrating to find out that our dinner had essentially been canceled and we'd been added to a wait list, which we have not come off of, which probably means we will not get the dinner experience on the sailing. So we're crossing our fingers to see if we can't get it on the DVC sailing. We did get an Enchante brunch added in. So we are having three of the four adult dining experiences this cruise, and we cannot wait to tell you all about them. Sam, you want to talk a little bit about the experience? booking hyperspace lounge. Yeah, first I'll say our experience with the Enchante brunch and dinner, what they made an exception because of the issue with us having booked Paulo dinner. They were I think Enchante brunch is a little bit less of a coveted experience right now because it's of course not like an included experience like Paulo is for platinum cruisers. Uh, but talking about Hyperspace Lounge, right now it is a 45-minute experience, meaning you are limited to 45 minutes in the lounge. You can book two occurrences on your cruise, at least on this five-day cruise. They may do it differently for the three- and four-night cruises. It might only be that you'll only get one reservation. But so we were able to make reservations. Uh, the lounge opens, I believe it's at 3.30 in the afternoon, at, a, I think, approximately 8 or 8.15. I can't remember which one it becomes an adults-only venue. So we actually booked two experiences in the Hyperspace Lounge, both for 5.30 p.m. so that we can bring Nathan with us into the lounge. Of course, they have you know non-alcoholic drinks as well as alcoholic cocktails, but I wanted him to be able to have that experience. So that's the current booking, but the lines were super long. And I'm sure that there are people who, uh, if you waited beyond that first day might not have been able to get a hyperspace lounge reservation because they were booking them for the entire cruise on that first day. After we cleared up all of the waiting in line, which only reminded us why we enjoyed concierge the first time we sailed, we have made our way to Marceline Market for lunch. And I want Willie to give you his thoughts on Marceline Market because I thought he had a really interesting comment earlier today about Marceline Market. So my thoughts on Marceline Market, and I'm a big fan of cabanas, is that 
the food is just about the same. It's it's on par. One big thing that Rebecca and I were wondering going into this is if some of the traditions, as I've mentioned before on the show, would still be in place. That being the Oreo cheesecake on day one and day one only, and that tradition was intact. And that Oreo cheesecake was actually better uh, on the wish than it, than, it, than it has been before. But I think with Marceline Market, what you get is a, is a new theme. And it is beautiful in there. It's very different. I love the decor. I, lo- I love the new seating. Um, for example, there's some bar seatings that we enjoyed for breakfast this morning up against the ocean. So you don't necessarily have to, to sit at a table. They have these like thin bar stools um, and these thin tables up against the, the windows where you can sit literally facing the ocean. And so we enjoyed that this morning. But the food is very similar. I'm, I'm sure there's different options, but very similar in terms of quality uh, as Cabana's on the other ship. And I'm going to say I was actually a little bit disappointed with Marceline Market. It's probably the only thing I've been a little bit disappointed with on this ship uh, because it isn't... I, I do think the design is better and the flow of, of ha- getting through Marceline Market's a little bit better than Cabana's, but I felt like the food was too similar. I wanted something really different. But I will say we've got that on deck, which we'll talk about probably a little later in the show. Um, but spoiler, it's not different in Marceline Market or not so different in Marceline Market. And I'm just going to disagree in one respect. So I agree. The theming is different. I think the space is different. I think the table situation setup is different. Um, it's been very crowded, which I wasn't inspecting. I thought it would be a little bit more open because so much of the other, the rest of the ship is about these intimate spaces that feel you know, intimate while feeling lighter. And I'd say that Marceline Market just feels, it feels crowded. And we're only at 2700 uh, on the ship. So I think it would be really interesting to know what it would look like with more people on board. The, the only thing I'm going to quibble about on the food experience is that they do have this like signature food section. So I did get some chicken tiki masala and some naan bread uh, and some pot stickers yesterday at that section. And I thought that they were all very, very good. I also had a very excellent salad with some cooked beef that I could add on top of it that I thought was good. Again, that may not have been any better than what I could have gotten in Cabanas. But I, I did think the food quality might have just been just like slightly better in some places and just about the same in others. So as Sam mentioned, we'll talk about the quick service food on board here in a little bit. And that is a place where, man, this ship is shining right now. So... So after lunch, we unpacked. Uh, we are big unpackers on this cruise, especially since we're supposed to be on uh, an eight-night sailing. Uh, we wanted to get unpacked, and we have the same stateroom, which is going to be nice. Checked out all of our maiden merchandise that was in the room, and uh, we had pre-ordered a ton of stuff, apparently. We have one giant suitcase filled with merch to come home, and we've bought more merch in the in the shops. We'll talk about the shops, too, here in a minute. Uh, but unpacked all of our maiden merch, which we're excited to get. And then after we got unpacked, settled in, we headed to the sail away party. And uh, it was a champagne toast sail away for the maiden voyage. Also in our room, we had uh, some maiden voyage gifts. We're expecting a few more along the way, but we had a nice tote bag that says maiden voyage on it. Some special lanyards, no castaway club lanyards this time around. Uh, These are maiden voyage castaway club lanyards. So we don't have the platinum silver gold lanyards. Uh, We have a special maiden voyage lanyard, which is really nice. We also got a maiden voyage cup, which interestingly enough is a cup, a compass and a speaker. And so it was the most interesting combination of things in a cup I've ever seen. Can't wait for Nathan to play with that at home because I'm sure he's going to be playing his Spotify playlist on the speaker and his cup. Uh, So we got that and we got some champagne glasses, uh, not for the champagne toast. They said they'd have the those, don't bring them with you. Uh, so 
After we got unpacked, headed upstairs to the sail away party, uh, had the champagne toast. Uh, the SVP for Disney Cruise Line came out to do the toast. And then we had the big sail away deck show, which was, I think was a lot of fun. Mickey and Minnie and friends came out. Princesses were out. It was very hot on deck, very crowded. Although I felt like this pool deck actually managed the crowd very well because it was tiered. So people were willing to move to different areas to be able to see the sail away. They did honk the horn at the end of Sail Away. We did the countdown, the horn blast, which was great. But we did not actually move away from the dock at that moment in time. It was another about 30 to 40 minutes before we pulled away from dock. Ship headed out through the Port Canaveral Channel. We did have a water salute that was hard to see, but we did have a water salute on the way out for the Wish's first revenue sailing. I keep saying that because it is not by any means our first sailing, as everyone is aware of, uh, as our first revenue sailing. And then uh, after the Sail Away part, Where'd we head, Sam? Well, you headed for some drinks, but Nathan and I had gotten changed and came out to the pool deck. We ended up uh, checking out the Slidosaurus Rex slide, which is very similar to the yellow Mickey slide on the Dream and the Fantasy. It is really nicely themed in like the stairwell and in sort of the outside at the bottom. And it's a cute kids slide. I did go down it, but is not really intended for adults, even though adults are allowed to go on it. And then Nathan and I also headed on to the Aqua Mouse. There was no line. We went on three times in a row. I will say they were having some technical difficulties. So the screens for the animated portion at the beginning were not working the first time we went on. The second time, we're only, I think, th- uh, two of like seven screens were working. But then the third time we went on, all but one of the screens were working. And I know that Brian went on it today and Nathan went on it today as well. And all the screens were up and working. So it is a, it's a fun experience. Um, it's kind of short is my only complaint. I wish it was longer. And we did spend quite a bit of time at the pools. And I will say I really like the new pool design. I know there's some complaints about that. Oh, they were, you know, they're they're all small. They're actually not that small. Each pool is smaller than some of the pools on the, the Dream and the Fantasy. But there's so many of them, none of the pools seem to get crowded. Now, that could be a function of not that many kids on this ship. I am loving the pool and the the design and how they have... I mean, there's like six main pools or something. Well, I can tell you the one pool that is crowded with adults and beer, and that is the aft infinity pool, which has a ton of people in it. But Sam's right. We have not seen crowded pools in the main pool areas, and there are a ton of pools. There's pools we haven't even really seen. So uh, so yeah, great pool setup, we think. We'll be interesting to see if that continues as more kids come on board. I did ride the Aqua Mouse today just to skip ahead. All the screens were working. I think the ride is actually... So I agree with Sam. It it feels shorter than the Aqua Duck, but it feels longer in another way. The hill that goes up is actually a conveyor belt, and it takes... Like, it's a slow-moving conveyor belt to get you to the top of the slide, and you're basically kind of watching from screen to screen, and you're getting spritzed with water along the way through different things. I thought the screens were fun because it's the new Mickey animation, so it's like watching a Mickey short on your way up the hill, but it's not. It's that kind of slow anticipation to get to the top, and then when you get to the top, the ride is done pretty quickly. So I think in my mind, it's a little bit more thrilling than the Aqua Duck, uh, and so I, I like it. I like this ride. I would probably put it ahead of the Aqua Duck for me. 
Can't wait to try the Aqua Dunk on the Magic to see where that falls. Uh, but the other nice thing is in addition to the Aqua Mouse, they have a Slidosaurus Rex slide here that Nathan has loved. It is a yellow slide. I think that's the way they always identify the, the kids slide. It's the yellow slide. Adults can go down at two on this ship. Uh, and so it's nice to have the two slides and all the pools. I think that's been working very well. As Sam mentioned, they were at the pool deck. Meanwhile, I was at the Rose. And uh, so I met up with a friend of ours for drinks at the Rose. He said to not get the signature drink at the Rose. He did not actually think it was very good. And so I followed his lead. I had a wonderful old fashioned called a crazy old fashioned. And uh, so it was uh, really good. And then uh, had another drink called a monkey spritz, which I would highly recommend because it's made with monkey 47 gin, which is a very expensive gin. Uh, it was a delicious, delicious drink. Um, and so we had some wonderful, wonderful drinks on board uh, at the Rose. I thought the theming was nice. Uh, someone we ran into made the comment that a lot of the spaces almost feel like hallways that have been converted to purpose. And uh, I will say the Rose does give that appearance. Like it's sort of like a big hallway that happens to have seating on one side and a bar on the other uh, that leads into the adult dining area. I think it's still a lovely spot to have a drink, but it, in my mind, it may not beat out Meridian in terms of its atmosphere. So I have not yet been to the Rose, but I will say one thing I just want our listeners to know is the Rose is 18 and over at all times. So that's one difference. All the other bars on board don't become 18 and older until nighttime, till about nine o'clock for most of the spaces. Like I said, I think Hyperspace Lounge is a little bit earlier, but the Rose is always 18 and up. So just like Paulo and Enchante. So that's one area. Sorry, kids, you will not be able to explore. So after drinks, it was time for Worlds of Marvel. And I want to get Willie's impressions about Worlds of Marvel. What do you think? I love it. As a big Marvel fan, the show is awesome. Oh, this is so hard. I, I, I'm i fighting. Is it better than Animator's Play? It's that like you, your first true love was Animator's Palette. And I, I, I can't bring myself to say it, but, but it, it's right there with Animator's Palette. I will say it is a great change from Animator's Palette. So if you want Animator's Palette, that is an, a unique experience of its own. World of Marvel is cool. It's interactive. The food options were great. The food was good. So that's an important thing. Is if you're going to sit at dinner, you want the food to be good. The dining room uh, food is still great. The menu options were awesome. But the show there was, was a great time. I think we all had a blast. And without giving spoilers, I just will say that the cruise is a part of the story experience. So just... That's the one tidbit I'll give. And I will now give you spoilers. So earmuff it up, kids. If you don't want to hear spoilers, then skip ahead about a minute and uh, we will be back to non-spoiler show. But World of Marvel. So you sit down at your table. You have a quantum core in the center of your table. And essentially what happens is a series of videos with Scott Lang and uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And uh, they are showing you how to use your quantum core. And so there's buttons on the core and you hit the core and different things happen on the screen. So you get a video and then some food, another video and some food and then a last video and dessert uh, and the whole time you're kind of playing with the quantum core and as Sam said there are ex portions of the videos that are shot as if they were on the ship and they really are tongue in cheek with Disney Cruise Line they had a great moment where they were making fun of the chicken fingers and how life changing they are and so it's a fun show I will say in terms of the show aspect I worry about repeatability I think Animator's Palette is a show that changes every time you see it when you're a Turtle Talk with Crush it's bespoke to you and how you answer the questions there's a live cast member behind it 
And so uh, it can change every time. And with animation magic, obviously the drawings change. I know that the show itself isn't doesn't change that much, but it's always fun to like go and do a new drawing. You'll see some other person's drawing that you haven't seen before. Some people are really good artists. I think it's a really fun experience. The repeatability is there. Uh, what we're hearing on board is like there's actually not a ton of plans to be updating World of Marvel over time. And so uh, it may be many, many years before we see a significant update to that show. Uh, and so I do worry about people coming on as repeat cruisers, basically seeing the same movie over and over and over again. And the Quantum Core experience, while interesting, it's not earth shattering in terms of in terms of what happens there. So uh, I thought the food was good. We did have some good food. Uh, I would say the one thing I didn't like about my food is the wedge salad I felt like was just underdressed. I will say the ribeye was good, but in my book, just okay. I, I thought it was uh, the cut of beef was not the greatest, but it was it was Disney Cruise Line main dining beef. So it was okay. The appetizers were, as always, on Disney Cruise Line, the star of the show. Sam had a great shrimp appetizer. I tried the bao buns. I thought both were excellent. So I thought the food overall was pretty good. I had an excellent donut sundae at the end that I really enjoyed. The food overall was pretty good, on par with other main dining. Nothing like spectacular and no dishes that I would call out except for the appetizers is like crazy earth shattering. The one thing I will say is there was a subatomic sticky date pudding that was almost identical to the sticky date pudding from Enchanted Garden on the fantasy and the uh, dream. So if for those of you who, like me, love that sticky date pudding, be warned, you will be able to find it here on the ship. Last thing I want to cover before we wrap it up uh, for day one, and then we will uh, we will come back to start talking about day two and maybe even day three at that point. But uh, one thing I wanted to wrap up was merchandise and the shops. The line for the store last night was unbelievable. So it was a huge line out the store. Thus far, they seem to have enough inaugural and maiden merch on board to satisfy what people are looking for. They do have some special pins. Obviously, they have you know hiring and Dooney and Burke bags on board, tons of t-shirts, pullovers, different collections of jackets and Nike polos and all that sort of stuff. And so lots of merch on board. And so far, they seem to be keeping pace. Uh, just about everything on this ship is labeled Wish, is labeled Maiden if they can do it. People were taking the Tattinger bottles out of the trash at the Champagne Toast yesterday because they said Wish Maiden Voyage on them. They've got new cooler bags on the ship that we'll, we can talk about about later uh, that say Wish on them. They've got new Cove Cafe cards that are branded for the Wish. So anything they can put the Wish on, they do. They, in fact, they have a new beer mug on board that's actually a full heavy glass beer mug that says Wish on it. And that is the special beer mug for the deal that you can get on board. You buy that at Keg and Compass. Uh, so lots of stuff on board if you want to buy things. Lots of great artwork on board. And they actually have an on-demand artwork service similar to what they've put in at hotels like the Riviera where you can go order the print and the size you want, the frame you want, and they ship it to your house. So uh, lots of great stuff. Way more to talk about and experience on board. So we will be back. We'll wrap it up there. See you soon. All right. We're catching up with your favorite guests and our favorite kiddo, Nathan, all about his first couple days on the Disney Wish. He's here snacking some cheddar popcorn. Actually, it's regular with butter. All right. Regular butter popcorn. Nathan, what's been your favorite thing on the cruise so far? Uh, Aquamouse. What'd you like about the Aquamouse? Fun. It's really fun. What's fun about it? Probably the splashing. Also, I have a recommendation. You might want to go in the back because you get splashed so many times in the front. All right. So sit in the back of the raft. What do you think about the kids club on board, buddy? You've been there for a few hours today. What did you think of the kids club? 
It was good. I had a lot of fun. What kind of stuff did you get to do in there? I played games. Well, I played games with our kids. Did you get to do the build your own roller coaster experience? Yeah, not. There's this thing. So yeah, you build it. Uh, the thing is, like, when when you tap your band on the ride, the screen for me always played this Wild West thing. It never played the roller coaster that I had made. Mm, so it sounds like it's not working quite as expected yet. What would you think of the slide down into the kids club? Good. Better than just going through the turnstiles at the uh, on the other ships. Yes. Did you try out any of the Marvel area? Mostly, we just played hide and seek in it. Hide and seek in the Marvel area. Was the kids club pretty big? Yeah, it's quite quite big. So we would play hide and seek in like the whole kids club. How many kids were in there? Were there a lot of kids or just a few kids? Probably like twenty. So not that very many then. Actually, no, by twenty I mean there were quite a lot. Saying on how, you know, saying on the size of it compared to twenty kids. What did you think about the Marvel dinner that we had last night? Was that fun or was it just okay? Good, and it was good. It reminds me of one of the waiters took a took one of the napkins and made this little like superhero out of it that he that that he named Mouse Man. That's right. You got Mouse Man. He's sitting in our room right now, right? Yep. And he drew on him M.M. Nice. Did you uh, did you like the show that they had in the Marvel dinner last night? Yep. One of my favorite parts that was quite funny is it said, do not throw stuff off the side of the ship. And one of the superheroes threw a, one of the evil robots off the side of the ship. You also thought it was pretty funny because they kept saying, that guy is still eating. And I was sitting right under the screen and I was eating my dinner, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, more to come from Nathan. But so far, you uh, thumbs up on the cruise, buddy? Yep. All right. We'll be back with more from Nathan later. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I have gotten to know the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel over time, and they are just so knowledgeable, so wonderful, so responsive, so welcoming. They have a great set of communities built on Facebook where they answer people's questions. We know that if you decide to book your next vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel, you will have a wonderful, wonderful experience. So if you are looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation and adventure, by Disney Vacation, maybe you've been eyeing an all-inclusive resort vacation, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash Duo to book your next vacation. We know you'll have a fantastic experience. And with that, back to our episode. All right, we are back. We are coming to you live, but recorded from the Keg and Compass aboard the fabulous Disney Wish. And we want to talk about day three and maybe day four of the cruise. We'll see how far we get here. One thing we missed, though, was that on day two, and actually today on day four, we we did hit up Hyperspace Lounge, so coveted e-ticket attraction aboard the Disney Wish. We've been getting a lot of questions about how you make reservations for Hyperspace Lounge. You were able to make reservations for Hyperspace on day one of the cruise. As of now, you need a reservation to get into the lounge. You can make up to two reservations, at least on the maiden voyage. I don't know if they'll drop that down to one on the shorter three and four night sailings, uh, but we were able to make two reservations on the sailing. Uh, We booked them on day one where they are doing dining changes and adult dining reservations. They will have someone from Hyperspace Lounge to take reservations for you. 
Overall, I think Hyperspace Lounge is kind of like Skyline Lounge on the dream and the fantasy. It's a screen-based experience and the screen changes when you jump through space to different worlds. I'd say the bar itself, unfortunately for me, overhyped. Uh, I think the drinks are in some cases okay, in some cases pretty good. We've had a few decent drinks and a few okay beverages. I'm sitting across from Tracy and Michael, who we met on our 11-night sailing, and I kind of want to get their opinion on Hyperspace Lounge because we literally left Hyperspace Lounge like five minutes ago. So let me start first by welcoming Michael and Tracy to the show, and uh, let's get their opinion on Hyperspace Lounge. Who wants to take it first? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It, it is very similar to the, the Skyline Lounge. The, the biggest difference is be, because it's hyperspace, as, as the screens are changing, there, there's more visual to that, and, and, and actually the, the whole place kind of shakes, like you've gone into to hyperdrive, so you actually get that feeling like, like you were moving. But I, I would agree with, with Brian, I mean, the, the drinks are, are decent. They're, they're theme drinks. So that's you know that's what you have to, to expect if you've followed the the Star Wars movie you've you've seen the the types of drinks and they're all themed uh, along along those lines. And I would I would uh, concur with the gentleman. Uh, it's it's a neat experience. I will admit that I am not the biggest Star Wars person on the planet. So it was a neat experience for me. I don't really understand it all. But uh, the one thing that I wanted to say about it was there's a Skywalker flight of wine. Um, So the flight of wine is actually from George Lucas's vineyards in California. And so we did have that twice. There's a a bubbly wine, a rosé wine, a Chardonnay and a Pinot Noir. And we did that twice, uh, both in the early uh, visit to hyperspace and today. And they are lovely uh, wines. They were very palatable, um, very easy to drink. I guess my biggest complaint would be when you finally get situated and get your drinks and sit down, you've got 45 minutes. And if you're lucky, you know, you might get your drink down in that amount of time. You might not. So, But the overall experience for me as a non-Star Wars person... I enjoyed it. There's lots of things to look at, lots of things. The sound is very effective. Like, you know when you're going into hyperspace because the, the, the sound changes. You can feel the vibration in the seat and on the floor. Uh, so I thought that was that was a nice um, addition to Skyline Lounge. Now, if there's a hidden Mickey, we haven't found it yet. Yeah, I will say the screens, I think... It's interesting because in Skyline Lounge on the Dream and the Fantasy, you do have these little hidden Easter eggs throughout the scenes. And this one, I was expecting maybe a little bit more tie into some of the shows, the movies, like maybe you'd see, I don't know, The Mandalorian somehow or Boba Fett. Yeah, Chewie, like we were actually remarking it'd be really interesting if before they jumped to hyperspace, they you know played an audio track of Punch It, Chewie or something. There's nothing beyond the screen itself. It could have been a, a Dune movie lounge or something like that, right? There's just, I mean, there are ships from the empire i mean you see star destroyers and things like that but uh it doesn't feel tied into the ip as tightly as i would hope you, know, you don't see the millennium falcon as far as like i didn't see the millennium falcon i'm sure someone out there is going to tell me there's an easter egg in the millennium falcon on one of those screens and i will be happy to hear it and we'll come back and diligently look for it when we're next on the ship so all right with that we got to hit day three of the cruise and um I got to start with my favorite. My favorite thing that we did on day three, Palo Brunch. 
Palo Brunch. And so we were joined uh, by Willie and Rebecca for Palo Brunch. Uh, they have joined us now in the Keg and Compass. And so I'm excited to hear their thoughts about Palo Brunch. But uh, I will just tee this up by saying uh, Palo Brunch, uh, adult dining experience on board, very familiar. We have Palo fleet wide. Nothing has changed about the brunch experience on this sailing, even though it's the steakhouse. Really no new menu items at brunch. So you're going to get the same brunch you can get on any of the ships. Uh, it is a fabulous meal as always. I think we had a great meal. The space is nice. I think a little less theme than Palo on the other ships, but still nice, elegant, modern. So let me start with uh, Willie. What did you think about Palo Brunch yesterday? Palo Brunch, the quality is still as good as, as it always is on all the other ships. Um, the immaculate views are still there. You overlook the water, although for our Palo Brunch, we happen to be ported in Nassau for the day. So our view was of Nassau, but if you do have Palo Brunch on a sea day, you do have those same ocean views that you're used to and accustomed to on all the other ships. The menu, like Brian said, hasn't changed, at least from the optics of it, but more importantly, the quality hasn't changed either. The service hasn't changed either. Everything is still the same expectation that, that you have on all the other ships. Still great. Food was great, delicious, great experience. So yeah, we had a, we all had a great time enjoying our, our, our Palo Brunch aboard the, the Disney Wish. All right, Rebecca, how is Palo Brunch for you? I feel like as the resident gluten-free guest that comes on the show, it's always important to talk about dining experiences. And Palo never ceases to amaze and astound someone who takes gluten as seriously as I do. They have quite possibly an unlimited amount of things that they can do on this ship and at Palo specifically. So there's entrees, appetizers, desserts, and anything that you can think of that is still available for those who have any type of allergy. It's truthfully, I think, one of the better places to enjoy a quiet meal, really get to know certain people and just enjoy each other's company in a place where you feel the elegance, you feel kind of serenity and calmness. So I would say the atmosphere of Palo is probably one of my favorites because I just have this overwhelming calm and peace when we're there. And it's just the, the best way to sit down with your friends and, and enjoy a nice meal. All right, so I will round out the review of Palo. I already said it's fabulous, but I wanted to put out the spoiler alert for anyone coming on board the ship. You can get chicken parm. You can get lasagna. They're both on the menu. And best of all, on the dessert menu, they have finally put the sticky buns. So perhaps someone from Disney Cruise Line actually listens to this show, heard my pleas, and added the sticky bun. They did add apple to it, uh, which I thought was an interesting addition. It was delicious. It was a good sticky bun. It was one of the best I've had recently, even on the ships where we've had to pre-order them. This was a legitimate Palo sticky bun made to order for dessert. Delicious, fabulous, glad it is back. So after we had Palo brunch, uh, we were wheeled out uh, to the pool deck for an hour uh, of pool time. It was really rainy. The weather has not been the greatest on this cruise up until today, Castaway Key Day, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but we had a great time on the pool deck watching Funnel Vision. The rain got to us a little bit. So Nathan ended up in the kids club. But one experience I know I want to make sure we talk about, Willie and Rebecca ran Team DCL duo in the hero zone. And Willie has got the scars on his knees to prove it. So Willie, the hero zone obstacle course. Let's let's hear all about it. The hero zone, it's fun. It is fun. But it's really fun when you have a complete team of four. Now, preface this by saying that on on this day at Nassau, the hero zone itself was open for quite a few hours. But Rebecca and I partook in 
the actual incredible games or incredit games as they're called aboard, which is where the hero zone is turned into a family competition. It's an obstacle course race, um, but it's a relay race. And so it's meant for teams of three to four to battle it out and you do a relay. And so when your first teammate finishes, your second teammate goes through. And so you continue that process until all four teammates have crossed. The issue is Rebecca and I are just two. We are the DCL Dual Junior. And so we ran just us two. And it's hard when you go real hard, real fast ones and you come through and you're a bit gassed. And all you have to do is walk over to the start line and wait for your partner to come back through and repeat it. Now, we did finish second in the first seat. We were four seconds off the leaders, which were four young men. And so well, to our surprise, we were told that the top two teams would have to do it again. At this point, we had gotten our fill, but we were good sports about it. We went through it again. It was a lot of fun. We were gassed. And I do have those uh, rug burns on both of my knees um, from kind of just, you know, rubbing on the, the actual inflatables and then just going when you're, you're in that race in that comp- competitive environment, you're just going all out. And so it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. But I will say it's a lot more fun when you have a complete team of four and everybody can catch their breath between heats. So... Oh my God, DCL Duo Junior trademark right there. We are making shirts for Willie and Rebecca to wear on every cruise now. Uh, amazing. I love it. Uh, so proud of those guys for doing the obstacle course in the Hero Zone. Uh, and again, I can't, Willie has the scars to prove it right now. So uh, amazing. Amazing. I just want to say that I watched them compete and I saw Willie get stuck in Elastigirl's arms and it was really quite funny. He, it was, it's quite a long, like tubey type of a structure. And I have video of it. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. And I just want to be clear. Elastigirl is not Rebecca's nickname. It is a part of the obstacle course. So, so, all right. This crowd is getting feisty as we sit in the keg and compass. Uh, oh, Rebecca wants to add something to this. Elastigirl is only my nickname in certain locations. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, I also want to hear from Michael because Michael actually got off the ship, which is actually a rarity in Nassau Day for this cruise. And so Michael got off and experienced a whiskey tasting, I believe it was, or a distillery tour. A distillery tour. So, yeah, I want to hear Michael's thoughts on the uh, the rum distillery tour he did. Yeah, as, as Brian said, it, it seems that, that Nassau and I'm, I'm definitely one of them. We, we typically haven't gotten off, but... Um, we're traveling with another another couple friends who who wanted to go out to the John Watlins uh, distillery. So we we headed out in the morning for that, and and it's actually really nice. I I think they're they're in the process of reconstructing the port, but unlike what I've heard in the past, we were able to to walk out unhindered. Uh, we we got through. And we we actually it wasn't that far, but we we still got a driver to take us to to the distillery. And and once we were there, I mean, it was a fabulous. It was an old uh, plantation. And in fact, it's uh, the the island, I guess, at one time was actually named for the distiller, John Watland, Watland Island. And and it's gone through a couple of different names that the the guide that we we had talked about how it it seemed to be the thing to do just kind of claim that the island was yours and name it after yourself and and go on the distillery was was really nice they they distill one one vodka and several several rums 
and the two guys i was with we we all got got flights to try all the rums and i added the the vodka i added the vodka because it's called red turtle i'm a big sea turtle fan so it was just just right away that intrigued me and then seeing the bottle um i i just had to try it um we were impressed with with all the the products they had they were decent we we enjoyed those um, I did end up bringing a bottle of vodka and a bottle of rum back on to the ship. Um, of course, with with the caveat there, they confiscate it when you come on and you get it at the the end of the cruise. And I I knew that going in, I was fine with it. Handed it over and and they'll give it back. But yeah, would would highly recommend you know going both to the distillery. We we did end up walking back from from the distillery. Um, we could almost see the ship from from the distillery, so we kind of knew the direction to to walk. And then there there was uh, shopping, and we made it back safely, as you can tell. We're reporting we're reporting back, but you know, definitely uh, as we've heard in the past, getting off at Nassau wasn't wasn't as not difficult or or at least harassing. I guess is is the best uh, way to describe what I've heard in the past. We we never felt harassed at any point either walking out or walking walking back into the port so that's actually really good to hear so i think maybe on our dvc cruise coming up i might step off the ship at nassau just to see what it's like because i had a really awful experience a few years back it's good to hear if the port is kind of maybe evolving a little bit all right so sam has also joined us here in keg and compass I got to pass the mic to her because we had a very special guest on board for entertainment last night. Disney legend Jody Benson performed on the main stage in the Walt Disney Theater last night. For those not in the know, she is the voice of Ariel among many other characters with Disney. And so I want to pass the mic over to Sam to talk about her experience with Jody Benson. Okay, so Jody Benson did two shows last night. I only got to go to one because the other one was during di- our dinner time. Uh, but she was fan freaking tastic. She, yeah, I mean, she just, I, I don't even know how to uh, describe it. Like she, she did a bunch of different medleys. Like she did a beauty and the beast medley. She did a medley of songs that she had sang in the little mermaid TV series. She did a song called Disneyland from a Broadway musical that she had starred in. It's actually how she met Howard Ashby and how she first got her audition for The Little Mermaid. Um, Of course, at the very end, she did Part of Your World and then got a standing ovation. And then she did the reprise of Part of Your World to a second standing ovation. And that was the end of the show. But she was one of the things that was great about her. She was really hilarious. She was talking about how the dress that she was wearing, which was like this beautiful gown that she bought for like, I don't know, 60 or $80 on Amazon and that she was going to return it. And that she had one of those tag machines to put a new tag to like re-put the tag on the dress. Like she was just hilarious, engaging, and you could tell just like a really nice person. And she really sort of explained her journey to becoming Ariel and how sort of her career trajectory and how she's been doing stuff with Disney and a part of the Disney family now for over 30 years since 1989. It was just this incredible uh, performance, once in a lifetime opportunity. I was definitely tearing up several times throughout her performance. I really honestly would have loved to go see her a second time at the, the later evening show. 
But Brian and I had a dinner planned at Enchante, and I obviously could not miss that. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough wonderful things about Jody Benson. I also want to say that her accompaniment, who was a pianist, who is also a conductor and did most of the arranging of the music for this performance, I think his name is Benji. He is the conductor for the Disney Princess concerts, which used to be called like Broadway Princess something or other. He was so talented, clearly on piano, but also so talented in his arrangements. It was incredible to watch their interaction. Obviously, they've been friends for many years now, and it was a wonderful, wonderful performance. So she has done the maiden voyage of every Disney Cruise Line ship she has performed on. She has also performed on several of the DVC member cruises um, and other sort of special performances on Disney Cruise Line over the years since Disney Cruise Line started in 1998. And uh, she's just a fantastic person, an amazing performer. And as Brian said, a Disney legend. So if you get the chance to see her, whether that's in a concert a Broadway show or otherwise take that opportunity. So the one thing that Brian and I missed on the night that we're talking about, the Nassau day, was main dining because we went, as I said, to Enchante. So I'm going to let Willie and Rebecca talk a little bit about their experience in 1923. It has two sides, the Roy side and the Walt side. They are kind of split in half the dining room. Because that way, uh, each side gets water views. They have portholes in the restaurant. And I believe that the group was at the Roy side. And so I'm going to pass this first to Rebecca, but for William and Rebecca to give some of their impressions and what the food was like on the main rotational dining in 1923. So as we walked into 1923, this restaurant was gorgeous. It had artwork all over the walls that was themed around classic Disney films. Um, and that included some drawings. It also included some different illustrations. Um, from the different films like Aurora and Cinderella. Um, we were in a room that was mostly themed around Aurora, as far as I could tell. But it was the best menu that we had seen so far for rotational dining. It is the only restaurant to not have a show in it as well. So it was it's the menu for this restaurant really stood out to us. Again, as the gluten-free DCL Duo Junior, I feel again, enforced to talk about the gluten-free options that were here. And I will say over everything on the wish, the gluten-free options that are available at the rotational dining, amazing. Not only do I have, I don't have to pre-order my meals anymore, but now I'm actually given a menu to look at that includes everything on that menu being gluten-free or gluten-friendly, actually allergy-friendly. So it, it accompanies all allergies. Besides the point, at 1923, there was gluten-free ravioli. There was also gluten-free gnocchi. They had a gluten-free warm chocolate cookie brownie with raspberry sorbet on top. Of course, I had to get that. Um, they had burrata with prosciutto as an appetizer. They had soups, but it, and of course, filet mignon, which was fantastic. Um, this is my favorite menu that we've seen so far. And I'm really looking forward to coming back on the ship just so that I can have that menu again. And now we're actually going to go over to our main dining partners, Tracy and Mike, to see what they have to say. We absolutely loved the 1923 theming, the 1923 dinner. Um, as Becca said, the other 
rotational dining earlier in the week, they had uh, a show, uh, the Marvel World of Marvel and also uh, Arendelle. This one did not. Um, and because Brian and Sam had gone to Enchante, it was just the four of us. We were the cutest, I think. Um, the four of us just sitting there having a great old time. And uh, I'm a Midwest girl, so I'm a meat and potatoes kind of girl. And I'm generally the one who orders the steak at every restaurant. And I will have to say that the filet mignon from last night was delicious. And I can't even emphasize that enough. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was perfectly done. It was perfectly seasoned. Uh, the, the au jus that came with it was delicious. Uh, I also had um, the tomato soup, which was very good. I had kind of heard some mixed reviews about it earlier in the week. Uh, I thought it was delicious and delightful. I had uh, the uh, the mozzarella cheese with prosciutto uh, as an appetizer. That was great. And then to end the night, because I hadn't had enough to eat already, I ordered not one, but two desserts. Go big or go home. So I had the uh, hot fudge sundae and I had, they had churros with a, uh, a dipping sauce that was really quite good too. Um, so overall of the three that we've done so far, I'm definitely giving the 1923 two thumbs up and all my toes as well. Like everything. It was, it was great. So we really enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I'm a little bummed we missed it, um, but we are going to get it on the DVC charter. And, and not that bummed because we had Enchante dinner. All right, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We had Enchante dinner. So let me set this up. And then I'm, it was a big mistake to have Palo Brunch and Enchante dinner on the same day. But, you know, we we suffered for you, the listeners. So let's talk about Enchante dinner. I'm going to set this up. I want Sam to give her a review. I will say I love, love, loved the experience at Enchante. It is the Remy equivalent on board the Wish. They do have a, well, they have a completely different menu. Let me say that. But they have a slightly different structure to the menu as well. So they do have the a la carte menu. So you can order things a la carte. Uh, and then they have two levels, I'll call it, of tasting menu. The first is $125 per person uh, and includes, I believe, five courses, a cheese course and dessert. And they tell you what's on the menu. So you will know the description of the food as you're having it, as opposed to the collection experience or the chef's collection. I forget exactly what it was called, but that is $195 per person and includes 11 courses of food. And you do not know what you are being served until it is served. And so uh, that is a higher level menu. The difference, however, is they have eliminated the add-on experiences. So for the $195, we actually Actually, talk about this in a second, but we actually did get caviar. We had a caviar course and we did get Wagyu beef without having to pay the upcharge. So the higher level menu we think is absolutely worth it if you're an adventurous eater. If not, the $125 menu uh, seems on par with what they have today. They also have drink pairings. Now with the $125 menu, they offer a, I believe it's a $115 wine flight. Uh, price may be slightly off there, but I believe it's a $115 wine flight. With the $195 collection experience, they offer a champagne flight. I believe that was $145 or around there for the flight. We skipped the wine flight. Let me just tell you, we have had 
not a bad experience with the wine flight, but certainly a forgetful experience with the wine flight. And so we don't opt for the wine flights at this point with the dinners because we think that it's just too much wine for us. Uh, and so we opted for a couple bottles of wine, uh, one white, one red. The sommelier was very helpful. Uh, I will note that uh, they had a lot of wine on the list that was not available on the ship. So still some supply issues on the ship with various things and wine was one of them. So that's the structure of the menu at Enchante. I would also want to say quickly the space. So you walk down a very long hallway to get into Enchante. There's a nice little Lumiere Easter egg as you're walking in. They have also quite the collection of candelabras uh, in display cases around the restaurant. I actually thought it was kind of a missed opportunity from a theming perspective to not have some kind of candelabra on each table. I thought that could have been a fun theming experience. They also have a massive chandelier in the restaurant that's supposed to represent champagne bubbles bubbling up through the ceiling. Uh, The space is very airy. It's very open. Marble top table that are white. Uh, everything is very modern, very bright, very sort of open, airy, light. So that not the heavy wood at Remy. So I thought it was a lovely space. I thought that the menu was lovely. They also have a different menu presentation. They call it a touchless menu where you have a holder and they bring it over and they put it down and uh, they describe the experience for you. So fun menu, fun space. I think the food was amazing. We had some really inventive dishes. I wanted to call out in particular one really interesting dish they did with tomato where they had a cooked tomato and then they brought us a tomato vinaigrette, some tomato focaccia and then tomato water, which turned out to be surprisingly delicious. But yes, we had canapes, amuse-bouche, several courses, at least two courses of fish, including lobster, meat, dessert, canapes, and then a full dessert. So everything was delicious and amazing in my mind. But I want to hand it over to Sam to get her thoughts on Enchante. Yeah, I mean, the amount of food was incredible. Of course, everything was like small portion because it's fine dining. We had, as Brian said, a um, this amazing, you know, these amazing canopies. There were three canopies. Then we had an amuse bouche. We had this beautiful tomato course that had was accompanied by tomato water. It sounded very, very strange, but it was delicious. We also had amazing bread with, you know, with our meal. There was a lobster course. There was a halibut course that was probably the best halibut I've ever eaten in my entire life. The Wagyu course was fantastic. We had an apricot dessert course that I will say uh, Brian wasn't a huge fan of the apricot dessert course, but I was a huge fan of the apricot dessert course. Honestly, this this meal just sort of blows everything out of the water. It's incredible. I loved it so much. I would absolutely go back many, many, many more times. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing about Enchante. Gird your loins for the sticker shock on the bill at the end. It is not an expensive meal. So as I said, we got the $195 t- tasting menu option, which means you're you know, for three of us in that restaurant, you're $600 deep on the bill before you even start talking about wine or appetizers. Also just wanted to mention that they had a champagne service up front. They do not have, as Remy does, a signature cocktail, which I think, in my opinion, great restaurant, great food experience, but it's a ding on my overall review of Enchante because I think one of the things that is really fabulous about Remy is the signature cocktail that you get at the beginning that's included with your meal. Here, they did bring around a champagne cart, but you have to pay for your glass of champagne. And so I really think that they missed an opportunity to have another signature experience centered around Lumiere. So with that, I think Sam shut down the bar last night in uh, the Rose 
And so I, I don't know who wants to talk about it, but you guys partied hard. I went back to the room and got Nathan to bed and it was already 1130 at night. So, well, I will just say that after we finish up at Enchante, you have to walk through the rows in order to get to Enchante or Apollo. Well, let's not turn this into a, I had to go drinking until <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. No, that's not what I was going to say. But I you have to pass through here. And I knew that we were going to see our friends because... Uh, Rebecca had messaged me through the DCL uh, app to let me know that you all were in the Rose drinking martinis. I believe the message was turned down for what? Question mark. Yeah, very clearly it was expected for us to come and see our friends in the Rose after we had just eaten this like crazy 11 course meal and drank a ton of wine. So I ended up leaving Enchante with a half a glass of my wine, but another half glass in my wine that was Brian's wine. And so our friends, uh, the four of them, uh, Tracy, Michael, Rebecca and Willie were having a grand old time drinking martinis when we arrived. And I stayed with Tracy and Michael at the bar until they had they had turned the lights back on at 12:30 and we stayed as they were cleaning up until about 1 in the morning and then all of course headed for bed. I was a little bit not feeling so great this morning, but it was a lovely evening and I want to have Tracy and Michael talk about their introducing Willie and Rebecca to martinis and their experience just enjoying some drinks at the Rose. We on the on the other ships, we tend to like the the later night bars that are up by the adult dining experiences, um, like the Meridian Bar. And so the Rose is that. It's up by Palo and Enchante. And so uh, Michael found it the first night. I did not partake that evening, but thoroughly enjoyed our evening with Becca and Willie. And we ended up taking them up to the Rose Um it tends to be a little quieter than some of the other bars, which we enjoy because we like to sit and have conversation. Sometimes you get into the bars and you can't have a conversation. So uh, we took them up there. They mentioned to us that they had never had martinis before and didn't have any idea. And Brian was their go-to person to help out, but he was unavailable due to dinner at Enchante. We uh, helped them out and gave them some suggestions. And Willie had a espresso martini Becca had a lemon drop martini, and they are now officially hooked for life on martinis. They enjoyed them very much. Um, and the rose is beautiful. It is, um, it's themed nicely. It's kind of, you know, a cross between, I'd say, Palo and Enchante in that it's just that kind of upscale place that you would go. We've been up there pretty much every evening after our late dinner. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, Michael's been up there every, every night. I skipped a night, but uh, the, there's the theming is just nice. The, the DCL bar staff up there is amazing. If you don't see something on their menu that you like, that's okay. You can tell them what kinds of things you do like, and they will come up with something. So um, they have everything from wine and beer to martinis, and they can make um, their specialty drinks, which there is a lovely um, pink drink. I can't for the life of me remember what the name of it was. Something in Fleur. And it's, it was a pink drink and it looked amazing. Um, maybe almost like a pink Cosmo or something. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the name of it was, but it was very, looked very pretty and they put a little edible flower in it. So it's definitely a higher scale kind of a place. Uh, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, we're, we're the proud, the proud parents of new martini drinkers. So do you have anything you want to add to the Rose discussion? As, as far as the drinking, introducing them to, to new drinks. Yeah, Will, 
Willie's espresso martini, he he described it as his new chocolate milk. He looks forward tonight to getting his chocolate milk. Although in the hyperspace lounge, he discovered a new drink that he thinks might be even better. But you know, they're they're definitely open up to that. But the the Rose is a fabulous place. The the staff there right now is is great. Kelvin's the the head bartender. The rest of the staff is is awesome. Uh, um, as as you would expect with the name the rose it's it's uh, themed after beauty and the beast and and there's roses in in kind of a, a screen behind the bar that, that are there they have rose petals scattered along the the back bar and and yeah as is tracy said it's it's a bar between paolo and and chante a little less crowded because it's that pre-dinner bar not a lot of people are going to go up there with without the the restaurant and and it, it's but it's where you can get that quiet you can have the conversation the bartenders are fabulous so they'll, they'll get you the the drink you want they'll they'll really really take care of you so it's it's definitely something we we enjoy so that just about does it for this segment of the show as we round out day three we are in the midst of day four heading into dinner here soon they are playing thor love and thunder in the walt disney theater this evening which we have a to skip we will certainly see the show at some point but not in the disney theater uh but we've got dinner tonight in worlds of marvel however it is pirate night on board so we are expecting some fireworks this evening which we're excited about uh not excited about the pirate menu although willie swears to me that there are things on there i need to try so i am going i am putting my best foot forward and of course tomorrow morning we are back in enchante for brunch which is an experience we have not had yet we have done that rare in Remy and so looking forward to that uh, hoping for a lighter day tomorrow I'm gonna try out the rainforest room finally uh, myself hopefully uh, and spend some time by the pool and then uh, we've got one last tear running down my cheek dinner although muted for us because we will be on the back to back but we can't wait to bring you more tomorrow with Sam, Tracy, Michael, Willie, Rebecca I guess who are now calling themselves the DCL Duo Juniors so we'll be back tomorrow uh, more to come As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voicemail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402 413 that's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. If you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. 
use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.